0: Tom Morello, and this is Maximum Firepower. It is a great pleasure and honor to have my guest, Steve Stevens, on today, the longtime uh, compadre of Billy Idol and a fantastic uh, solo artist in his own right. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show.
1: It's my pleasure. Pleasure to be here.
0: I got to tell you, Steve, like you and I haven't hung out much, so I don't think that I've had that much opportunity to kind of gush in in person about what um bring it on bring it big, on I, well i'm happy I'm, it's about it's, it's, it's about to happen so so brace yourself <laughs> um no i'm a i'm a huge fan of yours and your your like whole sort of ethos and vibe was hugely influential um to me as a as a young guitar player in sort of different of making me realize that there are different ways to be a great guitarist you know, like there's a lot of different sort of like ways to do it and that your ascension, you know, with Billy Idol in the in the mid 80s really presented an important kind of countering. It's like you didn't all have to do exactly the same solos and the same songwriting and the same look in, order yeah. kinda, in order to kind of in order to kind of make it, you know what I mean? And so that really kind of cracked the lid for me to go like, oh, that's a really cool guitar player who's got his own vision on the instrument and as a songwriter and as a soloist and as a. As a vibe, as a human being, as a as stage presence, it was really, really important. So I appreciate that and appreciate uh, you.
1: Thank you. I'm I'm, uh, I'm happy to have contributed in some way because I I, I I I think verbatim I could describe your your impression on me as well. Yeah. Well,
0: thanks, man. It's uh, um, yeah. So for the, for those of you uh, listening who who may be less familiar with the. Superstar guitar players on now. Um, Steve Stevens has been the uh guitarist. I wouldn't even say like much more than a sideman. That's that I think is that is a a role that would not as a uh cohort and a co-conspirator with co-conspirator. Billy Idol, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, since uh since the, since the beginning. Um, and has been an integral part of all of If Like, if you like a Billy Idol song, you like Steve Stevens guitar playing, you know? Um, and it's been a great solo. I was a fan of, we'll get to, we'll kind of go down the list here in a minute. Uh, but he has a great new record out, which we'll talk about, which has a very surprising and excellent cover song on it of a heavy metal great, which we'll, we'll discuss later. Uh, but the first thing I want to talk about was, um, you as a guitar player and, and your work with Billy Idol and how, like, first of all, just how did that, how did that
1: relationship come about? Um, I was previous to meeting Billy. I was, uh, I was in a band of a bunch of, uh, misfits. We lived in a, we had a loft in, in Manhattan in one of the music buildings. Um, we got picked up. We, we were actually, we went down to the Bahamas to record an album with Jimmy Miller, producer of the Rolling Stones, turned into a complete debacle. Record was shelved. We got picked up for management by Bill Coin, who was the manager of Kiss. And, um, in a heartfelt, uh, conversation with Bill, I said, you know, really, uh, I need to learn from other musicians. I need people with vision, not, you know, I, and I need songwriters. I need other writers. I think I've taken this as far as possible. He said, well, we'll we'll manage you and uh, we'll help you find those people. We placed an ad in the Village Voice, you know, musician classified, guitarist looking for everything, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, ran it for one week. And then I got a call from Bill, a coin, and he said, do you know who Billy Idol is? Uh, he said, well, uh, we're managing him. He's just moved to New York, and would you, maybe you guys should meet. And that was it. It was no, you know, initially, you know, I'm a product of, uh, of all those early 70s guitar heroes, you know, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck. And I, I loved um, some of the progressive rock guitar players because they were utilizing styles outside of just blues-based stuff. And certainly Billy Idol, coming from London, 1977 punk thing, was not about the stuff, No, you know, that I was and all my heroes. So we had to find common ground. What, what is it that we—and lo and behold, it, it ended up being uh, things like Lou Reed and The Velvet Underground, uh, The Ramones, all this stuff in New York. So we kind of brought individual strengths to it. And made it made it. I, I, I remember saying to Billy, wouldn't it be interesting, more interesting to have a guitar player who can throw you a curveball than just get everything you're expecting?
0: Yes. Yeah. You know? well, I mean, that is it's clearing. It's clearing clear your work together that there's that kind of magnetic pull from two from two sources. You know what I mean, right. and I yeah, think yeah. it's—I think it was—it was a great decision on his part to not yeah, go yeah. with something that was sort of safe and right down the middle of what he had done before. You know what I'm saying, and exactly. and also it probably pulled you out of your safety zone to right, sort of right. push you into a different direction because you know here's things like a lot of those Billy Idol songs, uh, and I'm not so—I'm not sure where the genesis comes from—verse, chorus, and melody and and whatnot, but they're pop songs in a way. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. they're pop songs in a way, but they're sung with his unique non-pop attitude right Right, and then they've got your guitar playing which is you know it's it's neither punk nor pop and yet the that amalgamation of those three things made for a very very unique and compelling kind of rock and roll that that particular chemical balance didn't exist before you two guys came together and made records
1: absolutely absolutely and he and 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 what i quickly realized he was very good at getting to the heart of what was good uh, about what I was playing. If I played a solo, he, his, his uh, rule of thumb was always, never erase the first initial it's, take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because that that flying by the seat of your pants and, and energy and recklessness is sometimes exactly what's needed rather than I'd always be like, oh, I can do it better, I can do it better. Right, right. <laughs>
0: yeah, let me improve upon the thing that was improvised and from my heart. Yeah. yeah right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to. So one thing in 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 thinking about uh, speaking with you, I was thinking back to that time in guitar playing, and I never really sort of thought about this this term before. But it seemed to me like there were maybe kind of sort of. Six branches of the guitar tree. Tree. Then, uh, you know, I came up. I, I came up like loving metal, right? I love right. metal, but it was punk rock that made me want to play. Like it was mm-hmm. more accessible, and that was my that was my. It's possible, right? exactly. It's possible. Yeah. It's not possible to to write, you know, rain song, but it right. is possible to play Anarchy in the UK. You know what I'm saying? So, exactly. Exactly. So i have so I've got an electric guitar strapped down. But I remember, you know, as a big fan of all reading every guitar magazine and, and all that. That there was there was the main sort of the main. A highway of of rock and roll guitar playing was like the metal guys then you know mm-hmm. and at the top of that pyramid was the Eddie Van Halen's and the Randy Rhodes's you know and then there was kind of like the the advanced you want to say the sort of advanced musicianship version of that which was the Joe Satriani's and Steve Vise like the real shredder sort of tech right. technique fellas right and then there was the real avant-garde stuff which was more kind of the Robert Fripp Adrian Ballou, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, maybe Andy Gill of Gang of Four with one foot mm-hmm. in, in, in that, right? Then there was like the straight-up punk rock and new wave guys that didn't care about playing assault like Devo and The Clash and right. whatnot. Right. They're playing right. guitar with a whole different sort of, sort of, sort of mindset. Uh, over in left field is Prince. Who's kind of on an <laughs> island by himself? Who's you know shredding his ass off, and no one knows because he's too sexy and dancing too right. much to, right. even realize, exactly right. to even realize even right. realize that uh, what a great guitar player he is. Because there's so much else going on. He's got like that's right. He's like he's like in the top five, but he, he's also he's number one in seven other different categories, so no one pays attention. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And then there's and then there's your branch, which was a really really important one, and I think really watered the tree for what became you know for me and other in quotes alternative guitar players. It was like it was you first. And then maybe Vernon Reed a little bit later. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. rock and roll guitar players who were unapologetically rock and roll in like their vibe. And the, they dressed up for shows, you know, it mm-hmm. was, they were not shy about that. It was not looking down at your shoes, you're windmilling around. But you're yeah. not in any of those other categories necessarily. And you can write great rock and roll that has hits and is connecting with the world. And yet kind of being a version of yourself that stands apart. From the masses. So, if if, was there any of that sort of self conscious vision of that at the time, or what was your, how did you see yourself as a guitar player in a world with those different kind of branches on the tree?
1: I think first and foremost, I was a fan of songs to begin with, you know. And I remember even from the very beginning when I met with Billy, I wanted to see the lyrics. And I'm amazed to this day as how many guitar players never really took their cue from the message of the song, because really that's my roadmap. So I'd look at the lyrics and then we couldn't kind, of, kind of, oh, okay, I see what you, where you're going. What's this about? What do you mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Billy turned me on to like guys like John McGee from Susie and the Banshees. I had never heard before and I went, and I, I loved XTC and Andy Partridge and stuff like that. At that same time, you mentioned Robert Fripp. He had moved to New York and was hanging out with Chris Stein from Blondie. And and I thought, thought, well, you know, I really like these progressive rock. Rap- Guys, but um, you know it's our time. Let's make our our music, and it's okay to appreciate the technique and all that. But it kind of, uh, certainly, by the time I met Billy, you know, a lot of that stuff was. The, it seemed like the, the the musicians they were in their mansions, they were in their Rolls Royces, or all uh, this kind of stuff, and and here was a whole new thing that if I wanted to try and connect with a band, I could go see. Yes. Uh, you know, Talking Heads or something, and then and then obviously, you know them utilizing Adrian Belew and doing all the sound expanding the sounds of the guitar. I remember the you know one of the guys I loved at the time was Andy Summers. I went to see The Police uh, before the second album came out, and uh, within and you mentioned Prince, and within I saw him on the Dirty Mind tour, and it was all this stuff where you could pre- you could be creative on the guitar, but it, it didn't have to be about certainly it wasn't about the solo and it it was you know embellish the message embellish mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. song and also trusting the collaboration i think that holds true for uh for any of the arts if you work with other people that conversation is what i get off on at the end of the day and the collaboration is is you know this and, and now some of these songs that we've written over the you know tested have lasted the test of time and they become more important than the, the, the two of us even yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah they become part of like the dna of the world and, uh, <laughs> and, and that's what
1: makes me happy
0: you're listening to maximum firepower i'm tom Morello. my guest today is steve stevens one thing that you clearly had was a Huge palette of diverse sounds and textures that you drew on to, you know, paint these these sonic landscapes it became the Billy Idol songs. But I want to talk about one specific one, because I would I remember the first time, you know, there's a Verner Re later described it as the what the fuck factor in, in guitar playing. I remember 1984, I'm in my dorm room and I dropped the needle on Rebel Yale. What the hell is the Ray Gun sound in the solo? (laughs) Because I've seen you play it live and the Ray Gun sound doesn't happen. So, what is going on on record with the Ray Gun sound? Because I remember, like, it's kind of like on the, uh, the that Zeppelin song on Physical Graffiti, where he has like the B bender in the mm-hmm. and, 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 and and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what was that? You know, like right. what, what just happened to me? And I had that moment again and again on that song. So now, if you wouldn't mind revealing all these years later, <laughs> what, the, what the hell made that sound in that yeah. song?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, when it became apparent that, that things were taking shape with the Rebel Yell record, it was storming. By the time we had the rhythm track with Tommy Price on drums and. And I said, well, it can't just be a guitar solo. It's got to be something else. Yeah. And I, had, I was a fan of Tommy Bolin on, on the Billy Cobham record, on a song called Quadrant Four. He does this thing with the echoplex where it kind of goes into modulation, mm. takes off into the sound that's not even about the guitar. So I brought the CD in and I played it for our producer, Keith, and I said, we need something as cool as that. It's got to be more than guitar. And I used to collect these um, tin toys, little Chinese robots, tin robots. And and one day I'm, I was living in the parent, my parents' basement watching my black and white little TV. And I had one of these toy ray guns. And I was like, I had my little practice PV amp. And I hear it coming through the pickups to the amp. And I went, oh, that's interesting. So I brought the toy ray gun in the next that's day. Hilarious. And I said, I got the meat and potatoes of the solo and then I said, punch me in at bar number. <laughs> and I just held this gun up to the thing and we added a bit of echo and stuff. And that yeah. that is really what it is. It's just like Well, that's bite. awesome. Yeah. Well,
0: there you go. Mystery solved, bang the gavel. Thank you very much. I mean, that's that's a it's a it's an inspired moment. I will tell you that that... That, that your body of work has been inspirational to me, but that particular moment really made me stop and go. Like, oh, uh, what are the way? What are you know? There's there are <laughs> there are things yet undone on this instrument. You know what I mean? Or or yeah. within the, within the idea of doing um, guitar solo. So thank you.
1: Well, you you've done a fair bit of that
0: yourself. Well, right? yeah, I mean, but, I, but said, there was a, there yeah. had to, that was not. The idea was not an original one for me to make sounds that don't sound traditional. That is something that was helped along by you. Wow. And others as well, but it was definitely helped along by you in that particular moment. Another, another moment on that record is Eyes Without a Face, which is another just spectacular track, where I love the idea how it kind of... Lo- it's a beautiful song, first of all. It's sure. a, it's, and and it, it creates a, a mood, like a, a cinematic mood in that song. And then it drops in this unapologetic, heavy-ass riff along with like a almost sort of drum machine, like it's a very different kind of juxtaposition. Uh, It's a different way for hard rock music to exist. Um, I thought that was a very, very important moment for electric guitar in that song to have a big radio smash song that's not a guitar rock song by any stretch of the imagination, and yet delivers the effing goods like in the middle of the song in a way that, again, it points a way to make, rock and roll music that's outside of the box of what happened before. So I think that that was, and, and it's a great riff too. It's a super simple riff that just kicks your right. ass.
1: Right. You know, that, that that song, we we were a little nervous about it because first of all, it, you know, it's a ballad and, you know, Billy Idol wasn't known for ballads and things, but we kind of went, it feels right. You know, the way or the germ of that happened was the only, when I was living in my parents' basement once again, the only <laughs> radio station I could get was CBS FM. Uh, which was an Aldi station, which played things like Frankie Valli, uh, you know, Four Seasons, uh, all this kind of '50s doo-wop stuff. And I thought something just said to me, you know, Billy's a bit of a crooner. Eh, if I took these chord changes, the, that that one-four-five-seven traditional yeah. '1950s, what if we put Billy's voice against that? So I came into rehearsal, and I kind of the only thing I did. did uh, deliberately was i made each of the chords a minor seventh or a major so i added the seventh to it so it kind of gave a bit of a pathos to it a, yep. a, a sadness to it that mm-hmm. maybe wasn't um and he you know he reacted to it and kind of said oh what's that you know and that was always the i knew oh if he says that you know, yeah, what's yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> we're All on right, we, something we've you know, we, we got we've got our feet in the water yeah. now and, <laughs> and i said oh it's just it's kind of like you know traditional 50s kind of thing and he pulled out a you know, notepad, he had, he was always writing lyrics and stuff. And so I think I have something that might fit with that. And then, lo and behold, we were rehearsing it and we kind of went, you know, oh, it's it's this, it's this kind of ballad esque thing. I played 12 string guitar on it. One of the things we always did, and this is our producer, Keith, at, at, at work here, we always had 16 or 32 bars in the middle. Of every song, not knowing what we were going to do, but they left that because Keith was always planning on doing dance remixes. Mm-hmm. So we needed that groove of thirty-two bars, whether we knew what we were going to do or not, just to play with. If we didn't need it, cut it out. And so I had I said, "Wouldn't it be great to just throw a curveball in there and just have heavy, heavy guitars come in?" And they kind of left me to it. A, you know, I said it's got to be simple. It's got to be deliberate. I, I'd have to say that maybe the rhythm guitar and beat it was maybe a little bit of an of a sure. inspiration. Uh, 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 I was yes. looking for something. How did Michael do that with rock guitars? Oh, beat it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So maybe <laughs> that was in my mind a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, I would say for, for anyone who's listening who is in the creative field, especially musicians, a number of whom listen to this podcast, is, like, listen to what he just said. Like, the uh, the idea of taking something that's in that's unique to you, which is your knowledge of chord progressions of 50s music, which doesn't right. sound like it's got anything to do with Billy Idol. Yeah. With anything. you know right. what I'm saying? But it's something that's, like, intrinsically part of, like, your background and your makeup, much like flamenco guitar playing is, which we'll talk about in a second. But, like, that, that, that then he just tried it out in a new context. And again, the punk rock singer, the way that he responded to that made one of the greatest songs in the historic catalog of Billy Idol. All right, so in 1986, I was in college playing in cover bands, and your songs, Billy Idol catalog, was often covered by my band. But we were involved in the, um, I went to Harvard, and we we were involved in the Ivy League battle of the bands. Now, such a thing just sounds (laughs) sounds so outrageous. Now, all of the bands, as you might imagine, 1986, that were Ivy League bands were very much influenced by, say, R.E.M., right? So there's a lot of, like, dressed-down, earnest poets, and whatnot, uh-huh. right? You know, and then, yeah. and then there's my band, which has <laughs> p- perhaps the worst name of all of them, which was Board of Education. Oh,
1: good, well, and okay. and
0: uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and I am head to toe in spandex, you know, like bandanas, zippered shirts, and, and, and all that. And we had seen, or I had seen, I'm not sure it was make some late night rock Don Kirshner or whatever. But I'd seen you guys play Moni Moni somewhere, okay, right? Okay. Like, even so play Moni Moni, and it just It just, the roof came off of whatever venue you were playing it in. And I told my band, like, for the Battle of the Bands, that's what we got to close with. And they were Uh all a little bit sort of suspect in there because there's all these, like, real earnest singer songwriters. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is the jam, man. And And so we played a, a couple of our own songs. And then I did an acapella full-on, like, Eddie Van Halen guitar solo, which no one in the history of, like, the Ivy League has ever seen before. And then we we closed with the Billy Idol version of your version of Moni Moni, and we won the Ivy League Battle of the Bands. Wow. Great. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I thought one day I would share that story with you, and that day has finally arrived.
1: You know, know, every Battle battle of the Bands I ever played, I lost.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Except the Battle of the Bands of Life. Except the (laughs) Battle of the Bands of Life. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's let's come up to 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 the now. Now, a few this is years ago. I haven't been to Nam in about 20 years, so this could have been 20 years ago. But I remember walking around Nam, which which you know, like it's I, like the whole world is like like is on me. It's like I'm I'm like I, swimming in a world of humbuckers. You know, I can't stand it. I, can't, I don't I could, like it, either. i can't I, stand I've it. Never, I was I was wandering I around, and I kind of went into this one eddy, you know, the sort of side side alley, and there you were, on a stool with an acoustic guitar. Blowing my mind with like this is oh, a side wow. of this is a side of your playing that I didn't know existed, but with like this kind of gorgeous accomplished technical expressive flamenco playing and right. You know, and I saw I recognized you from the hair from the side. I'm like, oh, Steve Stevens is, <laughs> Steve Stevens is doing a thing in there, man. He's gonna, is he going to bring out the is he going to bring out the ray gun? And then <laughs> I, <I'm like, laughs> yeah. And then I was just yeah. like jaw on the floor at this flamenco playing. Which brings us to you have a new record out. So t- uh, the, the, the 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 here comes a spoiler alert. The single or the lead track from this record is a gorgeous and awesome flamenco version of Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. But now tell tell the world about your new record that you have out.
1: Well, I was contacted actually um you know I think you spearheaded it by by champion Randy to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that's I got an initial uh email to let me know that 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 was happening and uh and then uh, this uh this group with this uh, girl Janet who was one of Randy's students. Yes, Uh, yes. said we are in. You know, we were are uh, reinterpreting uh, Crazy Train for nylon guitar. Would you contribute to it? And I know, if if for anyone who knows anything about Randy, they'll know that 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 he continued to take classical guitar lessons even when he'd be on the road with Ozzy. Yeah, I thought a number one. He'd probably enjoy hearing his composition done that way. So a way to do it in a new in a new style. And um, and they sent me the backing track, and I thought it was. Really well done, because he was a great composer. His guitar parts are composed so well, yeah. and you can hear that love of classical and arrangement.
0: Your people sent the version over to me. You know, I'm the number one Randy Rhodes fan. But um, so when I see, okay, it's a, it's a cover of Crazy, and I'm like, okay, let's see what this. And then all of a sudden, it's acoustic. <laughs> and yeah, then I was yeah. just, it was, re- it's really, really great. And so I think it, it really does pay homage to um, to the great Randy Rhodes in something that I do think that he he would enjoy. And so is this a, is this yeah. an entire record of Covers this is just
1: one, is. yeah. This is just one one track just that one track, was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was uh, done to 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 co- you know, somewhat coincide with uh, his induction. Oh, great, great. That's, yeah. that's
0: fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, let me tell you, it was a a long hard road getting Randy Rhodes into the Rock. Randy Rhodes, of course, deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the yeah. second that he's eligible. But no, it's 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 a great cover. So, what does twenty twenty two hold for Steve Stevens?
1: Billy and I uh, put out an EP last year that was pr- uh, produced by Butch uh, Walker. We have another uh, four-song EP that's going to come out this year, and uh, I think when people hear it, they'll, you know, it harkens back a bit to, you know, some of the classic Billy Idol stuff. It's heavy, it's mm-hmm. aggressive, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's new, it's current, and it's it's it's. Uh, you know, we're still turned on by it. So that's it. Um, we go out and we supporting Journey for about oh, uh, wow. six weeks.
0: Oh, great. great. Uh,
1: and, you know, I love Neil Schoen. Yeah, you know, he's, great. He's one of the good ones. You know? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, then we go to Europe and we uh, we have the Go-Go's uh, supporting us. And oh, awesome. We, we have that. And then we go down to Rock and Rio. I've never been to Brazil, so I'm oh, excited. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. great, yeah.
0: great, great. Well, that'll be awesome. So,
1: so you know, hopefully, uh, you know, everything willing, you know.
0: I know. Fingers crossed, man. It's a whole it's a whole new world out there. And I, I just yeah. can't wait till a time where we don't have to cross our fingers.
1: Right, yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, well, thank you so much. It, it's a real pleasure and honor talking with you, Steve. And I hope that our paths cross, you know, somewhere out there on the blue highway, you know, in the future. And, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and I would love-
1: You know, I, I, I have to mention that I really love your your uh, most recent record. I really do. Oh, thanks, and, man. And thanks. Uh, it kicks ass.
0: Well, thanks, brother. Steve Stevens, yeah. thank you so much your, uh It's uh, really great talking with you, and thank you for your Save insight, you, in, and, and for humor, humoring a fan and going through the, uh, going through the catalog, and I, I hope we get to r- cross paths and maybe even play together sometime. I'd love that. All right, bring your ray gun. I will. All right, all right take care, brother. <laughs> Bye-bye. This has been Maximum Firepower with Tom Morello. Until next time, take it easy, but take it. Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now
1: on the SiriusXM XM app. Search Maximum Firepower.